Welcome to Presence Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit PresenceOC.org. Good morning. Well, you know why you have long bios? Because you've been around for a long time. That's what it means. But thank you. Hey, next time I hear somebody say the church is no longer vibrant and passionate, I'll just bring them over here, okay? I'll take care of business for sure. Well, I, uh, what a privilege. I love Nicole. Uh, I get inspired and stirred by her. Anybody that can have two little people, so little, and just keep moving. I feel like a wimp sometimes. You know what I'm talking about? But her passion for Jesus and her boldness is an inspiration. And I, I feel like I know you because... I've been a part of the ongoing conversation of when you started meeting together and when you talked about planting a church, and here you are. And we need churches that understand who Jesus is and know how to move in the power of the Holy Spirit in Orange County. Would you say, yes, we do? Oh, come on. Well, what happened to you? Yes, we do. We absolutely do. Uh, my husband and I have been pastoring for 17 years. We did a, we're about to celebrate 17 years in Orange County. We're about to celebrate 30 years of marriage. Come on. And we still love each other and like each other. That's the best part. And we are in this season now where we are experiencing the reward for not killing your children called grandchildren. It is the sweetest thing in the world. I have to tell you, last week, a week and a half ago, I had the moment I had been dreaming of for years. My granddaughter, who's about 15 months, was sitting on my lap in the car. It was parked. But she likes to do the steering wheel, and she loves to turn on the windshield wipers and the water. Now, when I was a parent, if my kid was doing that to my clean car, I would say, oh, no, 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 we don't mess up the windshield. Why? We don't get water on our clean windshield. When you're a grandparent, you're like, what are a few little water spots? No big deal. So we're having fun, and then her dad comes to take her out of the window so that he can, they are headed home, and here it is. He takes her out, and she looks at me, puts her hand out. No, 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 no. She is so sobbing. It was a dream come true. She was sobbing, nana, 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 nana. I'm like, I'm in heaven. It was beautiful. So of course, what do I do? I get out and I pick her up and hold her. And I mean, I'm telling you, it just brings out the sweetest thing. So listen, those of you that are tempted to harm or put away your children forever, hang in there because those grandchildren will be your great reward. Um, I had, uh, I, I uh, completed a term, seven-year term serving pastors, as, as Nicole said, and I finished that in the end of May. And for the first time in my life, I found myself that I actually had the opportunity to take some time away to do nothing. Because my kids are grown I was in between now coming from a district supervisor, coming back to my local church with my husband. And I realized what had been given to me was a gift from the Lord to not get involved right away and do something, but to actually take a pause, an extended sabbatical called a summer, 
to do just about nothing. And I had so many people come and say, that's going to be really hard for you. I said, I don't think so. I don't think so because there was something so stirring in my heart of me having to not rush out of my home, but to wake up with a good French press cup of coffee. That's why I still like my husband 30 years later. <laughs> to wake up and to not rush, but to get my Bible and a journal, blank pages, and go outside my backyard and sit and say, Holy Spirit, what do you want to teach me today? I, I did go to church most Sundays. And I went into the office every other Wednesday just to touch base on a couple of things. But listen, it, it wasn't a vacation. It was a time to slow everything down after seven pretty intense years. And just come before the Lord and say, Master, you who know all things, you who see the areas where I'm blind, and you want to open my eyes, you who want to speak to me, who want to teach me, I just want to come and every day I just want you to talk to me. What, what is it that you want to teach me? I found out he has stuff to teach. He teaches through the Holy Spirit who's been sent to guide us into all truth and show us things to come. John 16, one of my favorite passages in the Bible. We have a private tutor. The Holy Spirit. He not only empowers us to do the works of Jesus, but he is the one who guides us into all truth. He sits down with us and begins to open our eyes to things that we haven't seen. He brings understanding to things we've never even thought about. He goes deep. 1 Corinthians 2 says that he searches the deep things of God. Hello. The deep things of God, like if not, I mean, what if God isn't deep? But listen, when there's deep, that means that there are levels of who God is. But the spirit of truth searches the deep deep things of God, and then it says that he may make us know the things that have been freely given to us by God. So I had a private teacher. I didn't take any books. I didn't have worship songs. My Bible, my journal, and the spirit of truth teaching me. It has been a highlight of my 30 years or 40 years or however many years it is, 50 years. It's a highlight highlight. One of the things that I caught last year is when Jesus talked about the blind leading the blind. And I knew that in my new season coming in, I feel like I'm, I'm entering into the reason why I exist. But as I heard Jesus talk about the blind leading the blind, I said, Jesus, there are areas in my life where I'm blind and I do not want to lead blindly. So I need you to open my eyes to truth. I need you to show me things about me. And you know, for those three months, I didn't really hear anything about ministry. As a matter of fact, I was supposed to come back and start at, at, at the, our church in September. And about three days before I was supposed to be back, I thought, are you going to talk to me about ministry? Because I should hear something. But listen, that whole time, teaching me about him and about me. And so the last week that I had of that extended time, he took me to a passage that if you've been a believer for any amount of time, you can probably quote it, recite it. Don't you dare tune me out because you think you know it. Because I thought I knew it. 
There's knowing it, and then there's knowing it. And I can tell you this, as much as we know the word of God, because it is a living book, it's alive, it is God speaking, there are depths to the this, to this scripture. There are depths to passages that we don't yet know. I read stuff, I've read stuff this year that I'm like, who snuck that in? Because that was not in there last year. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? You read it, I'm like, who did that? I read that a million times, but now my eyes are open and I see something. So I'm going to share with you for the next few minutes on Psalm 23. Psalm 23. So you already know. You're like, yeah, I know that one. I have wrote a song on it. Probably you all did already write songs on all this stuff. I already have it memorized. This was actually the first uh, passage of the Bible that I memorized. However, I didn't memorize it in English because I am not from this country. I was born in Colombia, South America. My last name was Diaz before I was a Deerman. Spanish was my first language. I come to America, I no speak no English. <laughs> I was 10 years old. My life changed by being in this nation. And I found out God sent me as a missionary to the U.S. <laughs> Psalm 23. I was upstairs in my room. It was too hot that day to be out in my, my backyard. <laughs> I live in a personal summer, so I don't need the outside summer. And I began as the Lord led me to Psalm 23. This is as far as I got. I went, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Mine. Not just yours. Not just the body of Christ. The Lord himself, Jesus, who we sing about. The name above all names. How beautiful are you. There's no one like you. No one comes equal. Every knee will bow. Him, he's my personal shepherd. It's amazing to me that the King of kings and Lord of lords is described accurately as a shepherd. If you've never been to Israel, you need to pray that you can get there at least once, twice. But as I was in Israel some years ago, and by the town of Bethlehem, you see the shepherds in the fields. It's not a glamorous job. Their sole responsibility is to make sure those sheep are taken care of. Because those sheep are completely dependent on a shepherd. They're not the smartest bunch. They're completely dependent on the shepherd for food, for everything, for shelter. And for, for David, who, by the way, wrote this and was a shepherd, he spoke at it from an understanding that you and I don't have because, as far as I know, none of us have been shepherds of little meh. But David was. But you see the shepherds out there. Not a glamorous job. But the king of kings is described as our shepherd. I've loved Jesus for most of my life. I've served him for most of my life. I believe I do walk in strength. I've faced some challenges along the way. A few giants yelling, screaming at me. And there's a strength that God gives to us. There's also a strength that we put on. Sometimes it's an external strength trying to be strong because you know it's the right thing. 
But then there's also a genuine strength that comes from the Lord. Nevertheless, sometimes in being strong, we forget that we are still sheep and that there is a shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. As I begin to pray over that, the Lord, you're my shepherd, the Lord began to show me how out of the strength of the Lord, but also my determination to be strong, I've even become strong to not allow him to be my strength. The Lord is my shepherd, my shepherd. He began to take me through a journey of, listen, when you're a leader, when you're used to giving, we function better in giving to others. But there is a gift of being the one who daily, constantly receives from him as our shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack. When the Lord is your shepherd, there's no lack. Now you may think, well, I have plenty of areas in my life where there's lack. Yes, you may have it temporarily, but the shepherd is saying, follow me. Because where I lead you, you don't lack. You don't lack. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack. He's a good shepherd. We don't just sing about him. He is. He is an all-knowing shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack. So when I see areas in my life where there's lack, when I lack wisdom, I say, shepherd, you said I shall not lack. So I need your wisdom. There is no reason in the world why I have to fumble and try things when the very one who knows all things is committed to teach me and to guide me. Shepherd, I need strength. Shepherd, I need healing. The Lord is my strength. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Some of you need to let the shepherd cause you to lie down. There is a rest. Listen to me. There is a rest in the Lord that is so deep. You can't get it from vacations. You can't get it from sitting in front of the TV. There is a rest. Remember Jesus resting in the middle of a storm? Listen to me. Rest is not absence of storms. <laughs> Someday when everything is perfect... Then, I'm, no, 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 Jesus in the middle of the storm, when everybody around him was freaking out, was sound asleep at rest. See, there's a place of rest in the Lord that he wants to take you into. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Do you know the peace when you're by the still waters? Not turbulent waters, but there's a peacefulness. He restores my soul. Some of you have been through some tough seasons. Some of you may be in the toughest season you've ever faced right now. We had a young lady in our church a few weeks ago throw herself in front of a train. She'd been a part of our church for a long time. Broke our heart. 
her soul hadn't been restored. She'd walked through some things, difficult time, di disappointment and difficulty and difficulty and difficulty. I think in trying to be strong, she shut everybody out. You know the, oh, everything's good, no good, good. I'm blessed, all's good. But on the inside, there's raging doubt and fear and torment and hopelessness. Or sometimes just a weariness. What you said was so good, so good, Nicole. There are things that I've prayed for for 20 years that the Lord's saying, don't you back down. Don't you back down. But Galatians says that we're not to grow weary while doing good. What does that mean? That there's a tendency to grow weary when you've been waiting for something. You know God has spoken it. Maybe it's your children. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your health. And you know God has said it. And you're walking in it, but then it's year after year. And you're not seeing it. There's a weariness. And in that weariness, we find ourselves closed off. We find ourselves not being too hopeful because we're afraid of disappointment. And then we can put on this, no, everything's good, I'm strong, I'm fine. There is a place in the shepherd that he says, hey, little lamb, I need to restore some things in you. I need to restore some things in you. See, I found out this summer, as strong as I felt, there were areas that I needed the shepherd to restore. Because there have been some trials and some challenges that had affected my heart. And I purposed to do right, and I believe I was doing right in the midst of the challenges, but my heart needed the touch of the master, my shepherd. See, people can't restore your soul. Busyness can't restore your soul. I grew up with an alcoholic dad. I had noise around me all the time. I didn't know how to be still. I didn't know how to be quiet. I always had to have noise. Why? Because it was the way of keeping me from really delving into how hard things were in my heart. There's something about just the silence of coming and saying, Lord, whatever area needs to be restored, restore it. And you can't get that from anything or anyone but from him directly. But boy, when he restores you, he makes it better than new. Right? He does. He restores and you recognize it's him because you really should be a mess. See, at my age, I recognize if it wasn't for the fact that my shepherd restored my soul, I should be a mess. I didn't grow up with a perfect, in a perfect family. I couldn't wait to get away. I was a perfectionist people pleaser. And when you grow up with an alcoholic parent, man, you, you take on all these things that never belong to you. I was an adult in a child's body. I saw God inaccurately. And I needed this shepherd to restore my soul. And I found out that even this summer there were layers of even the way I grew up, that he was still peeling away and showing me who he really was. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. 
He leads me in the paths of righteousness. The shepherd will lead you in paths of righteousness, of right things. We're in a very confused society today. There are so many options. <laughs> There's so many things bombarding us, so much information, so many decisions that we have to make, and yet the shepherd says, yes, but there are paths of what is right. And my job as your shepherd is to lead you into those paths. Paths of righteousness for his name's sake. See, you carry his name. You not only carry his name for you, but you're a representative of Christ. You do know that. Tomorrow morning, you're a representative of Christ. This is the easiest place to be a representative of Christ. But on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, th those days, you're a representative of Christ. And because you have Christ's name, he needs you to walk in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake because you carry his name. People need to see what paths of righteousness look like for his name's sake. Listen to this. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Yea, though I walk through, it doesn't say the valley of death. Have you caught that before? It says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Shadows never hurt anybody. Shadows don't hurt anybody. But shadows can make something appear that isn't, that can freak the bejeebies out of you. Do you know what I'm talking about? I grew, I, bad idea. I, I was dumb, but I grew up watching horror movies. Bad idea. Didn't realize that these are the gateways to the heart. So whatever you let in your eyes and your ears goes into your heart. So I watched all these creepy uh, movies, and I enjoyed being scared. <laughs> but then I would see things, shadows, that I could tell you there was something there. There was a huge spider, some kind of, you know, horrific thing. Listen, it was just a shadow. Maybe it was the clothes hanger. But in my mind, it looked like, it's coming to get me, right? Shadows don't hurt anybody, but they have appearance of something. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, to where everything around you is saying, this is, the, this is it right here. There is no getting out of this valley. What you see shouts loudly, this is as far as you're going to get. This is it. It's over in this area of your life. The shepherd says, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, fear no evil. Why? Because the king of kings is with me. See, there's a difference between singing about him being with you and knowing every moment of the day he's with you. He. I, lo I love when my husband is with me. There's a safety. There's something so good about knowing he's right there. But nobody can take the place of knowing the shepherd 
the king, he's with you. When people come against you, he's with you. See, when people come against you, they're coming against him. You don't have to try to fight for yourself. You're like, oh, no. You don't realize who's with me. No, it's true. It's true. I've had my share of people coming against me. Leaders, believers, pastors. And I'm telling you, my heart was not, oh, woe is me. My, thought, my heart was, woe is you. Don't mess with me. No, listen to me. We're in covenant. Is that not true? I mean, we're under the covenant. If you remember the Old Testament with Abraham, I will bless those who bless you. I'll curse those who curse you. I'll come against those who take you lightly. Listen to me. We are in a covenant. When we are in him, he's in us. He is for us. Right? When people come against us, they're not just coming against us. They're coming against him. And him wins. So I just stay tucked in and I say, go get him. <laughs> but listen to me. When you know that about you, you also recognize you have no right to come against his other children because he's with them. The fear of the Lord makes you go, if I come against you, I'm coming against the Lord himself. I don't think so. That doesn't mean we don't address issues. We don't speak the truth in love. It doesn't mean we don't, we don't talk through conflict. But we treat in a, one another in a way that the Father says, that's the way you treat my children. He's for us, but he's also for his other kids. I will fear no evil. I will fear no evil. In the midst of everything shouting evil, I will fear no evil. Why? Because I know who's with me. And his rod and the staff, they comfort me. In other words, his rod and the staff, they, you know, the, the rod gives a little tap, tap. Come on. Come on, little man. No, that's a bad idea. Come this way. Sometimes maybe it's a little yank over here, right? There's a comfort. There's a comfort. Why? Because it's the shepherd with you. The rod and the staff, they comfort me. There's so much to each one of these. I'm just giving you the brief overview. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You were talking about a table. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You prepare, listen to this. I was, this was the next day or two days after my first, the Lord is my shepherd this summer. And as I was praying this and thinking, Lord, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I saw it in a way I've never seen it before. I saw the king of kings setting up this table. And at this table was everything that he had promised, all of his words, everything that he had said to me. At the table for me to partake. And he was inviting me to this table. But listen, this is what I'd, I saw that I'd never seen before. In the presence of my enemies. In other words, the enemies, those that taunt, those things that come against us to try to steal what God has said. The enemy that comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. The enemies against you, they're all around you. They're surrounding you. And in the middle of the enemies taunting you and saying these things, here comes the king of glory setting a table and saying, we're in covenant, you and I. And it's a declaration to the enemy saying, untouchable, untouchable. 
I mean, all of a sudden, I'm like, good. I mean, dear Lord, because we all face enemies. And the natural thing to do is to pay attention and be focused on what's wrong, what's coming against us. But next time or right today, as you're in the middle of your enemies, you got to know the king of kings is saying, I'm here. We're at the table together, and I'm declaring to them, because you and I are in covenant, they cannot touch you. If you don't know that, if you don't know that, you fight from a point of losing. You fight from a point of, I hope I win. But when you understand this, you fight from a place of victory. In other words, you're contending for what already belongs to you. And I'm telling you, I mean, it straightened me out. I'm like, enemies, you've been shouting loud. But here the king of kings has set the table and he's saying to you, no, her and I right here. Oh, when the enemies come against your family against your marriage, against the promises of God, against the calling. You've got to know the king of kings has set a table before you. And not only before you, but in front of all those things that are shouting against you. You've got to understand that because it causes you to walk in a strength that doesn't come from any place else than knowing that the shepherd is right in front of you. You anoint my head with oil. You anoint my head with oil. You anoint my head with oil. See, the shepherd himself anoints you. He himself pours the oil of anointing over you. I love that God uses the body of Christ and we get to put oil on one another and it's biblical, it's what the Bible says, but there's something about knowing that if nobody ever anoints you with oil, the king of kings, your shepherd, pours it over you. He pours the anointing, the Holy Spirit over you. Mm. And just think about that. When the Holy Spirit is poured on you, I'll take about another year. My cup runs over. There's enough. There's enough. You're not barely. Because the shepherd, your cup runs over. It's spilling out. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. It's following you. When you look around... You think you're by yourself? Oh, no. Goodness and mercy are right behind you. Goodness and mercy right there. How many of you need mercy? Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, the goodness of God right behind you. The mercy of God. You may fail. You may fall. Yep. How many of you have sinned in this past week? Okay, the rest of you just did because you lied. Mercy, right? Goodness, forgiveness. Some of you are in bondage. And some of you, the enemy has tormented that you can never get free. That feeling of, I'm too far gone or this is so deep, there's no way I can get free. This message is for you. 
because mercy is right behind you. But the goodness of God that delivers you, that delivers you. I, I need us to close our eyes. I don't know who it is. It's probably more than one person. Bondage is being attached to something that you want to be free from, but you can't. You can be in bondage to a human being, wrong relationship. You can be in bondage to anger, uncontrolled anger. You want to be free. You don't want to be, have outbursts of wrath. But you can't seem to get free from it. Bondage could be depression. You haven't found the freedom. Bondage can be any sin from sexual sins. Bondage could be a wrong way of thinking. You know it's wrong, but you can't seem to get away from it. See, the, the Lord is your shepherd. He wants you free today. You may feel so far from freedom, but that's why it's called goodness and mercy. Because it's not based on your behavior or your goodness. It's based on his goodness, his mercy. His forgiveness. So sweet, powerful, awesome shepherd. You who from the beginning of the earth were a part of creation, making it. You who know the end from the beginning. You who are clothed in majesty. You who will experience every knee bowing down to you and declaring you are Lord. Thank you for being our personal shepherd who tends and cares for us. What a sweet picture. All powerful, all good, all tender. Thank you that in this place this morning, You are leading your captives into freedom. Those who've been in captivity today, I declare be free in the name of Jesus. The spirit of the Lord is in this place. And where he is, there is liberty. There is freedom. Be set free from every captivity in your mind, in your body, every bondage, be set free. I don't care how long it's been, how long it's lasted. Today is the day of salvation, of deliverance. So I declare and pronounce you free in Jesus' name. Lord, for those whose soul needs to be restored, they've been through difficult seasons. Maybe they're growing weary while waiting. 
Maybe they've been attacked by people and betrayed. Maybe they've had a spouse walk away. Thank you, Shepherd. You are a compassionate high priest who sympathizes with our weaknesses, our pains, our hurts. Thank you that in all your perfection and glory, you're not distant from our hearts and even the brokenness we experience. But Lord, I thank you that you don't just sympathize and say, yes, you're broken, but now you commit to bringing healing to our broken hearts. You don't just acknowledge, yes, there's pain, but you're, you're inviting us to step into complete restoration of our soul. There may be somebody here, or there is somebody here, who you've been dealing with hurt for years and years and years. It's been an extended period of time. And the Lord's saying to you, there is no reason for you to continue in years of pain. What happened to you was wrong. It was never the plan of God. But do not allow the enemy to steal your future, to limit what God has. Today, he who restores the soul is inviting you to let him restore you. Don't look to man. Their apologies won't restore. They may help, they may ease, but they won't restore. But the shepherd, he will restore your soul. He will bring healing and wholeness so that the way you think, the way you live, the decisions you make, the way you speak are directed by the one who has brought wholeness to you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. There's some of you that need to let the shepherd take you beside the still waters and the green pastures. You need to slow down. Your busyness isn't going to bring about change. You allowing the shepherd to do what he needs to do and you will bring incredible transformation to your situations. Some of you, the Lord's been speaking to you about spending time away with him. There's nothing more important than his invitation to you. David said, one thing I've desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord, inquire in his temple. And when God said, seek my face, David said, my heart said, your face I will seek. Thank you, Lord, that it is not futile. It is not vain. It is not in vain to withdraw and to seek your face. For you give the bread of life. We cannot live without your word. 
Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We need your word. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And I thank you for your confirmation to your children today who are facing obstacles and enemies surrounding them, shouting their lies. But in that picture now, the introduction of the king of glory setting the table in front of those enemies saying, I'm in covenant with you. Affirming his covenant with us. Establishing that because he is for us, no one can be against us. If he is for us, all of his promises are yes and amen. We thank you, Lord, for your confirmation, your willingness to stand behind us and to shout to the enemies with us that they cannot take us down. That no weapon formed against us will prosper. We thank you. We are safe because we're in you. We come under the shadow of the Almighty. We, we move away from the shadow of the valley of death, and we come under the shadow of the Almighty where there is life and victory. Thank you that these things are true. Thank you that your word is living. It is true. It's not to just encourage us. Your word is truth. You are true. And so we declare your truth. Oh, we'll declare who you are in heaven. But Lord, while we're here on earth, we declare who you are. And we live by who you are. We don't just sing about who you are. But we live by knowing that this is who you are. I thank you for this church, how well it is said, presence. May your presence be experienced here by all people. May many who don't know that Jesus, you're real, be drawn into this place and may they encounter a genuine God. Lord, I declare that this place becomes a lighthouse to a community that is in darkness and even in deep darkness. Thank you for a lighthouse that will stand out and it will be a safe place, a place of refuge. I thank you for salvations. I thank you for healing of bodies. Oh, Lord, I thank you that healing will become the normal Christian life. Laying hands on the sick and seeing the sick recover will become the normal Christian life. We thank you. Establish your name in this place. May your kingdom come. May your will be done. Lord, for the pastors and leaders, may they lead with boldness as they hear you accurately. Can I say something to you? This, this, I thought I was going to share the scripture this morning. I didn't, but we know Proverbs 3, 5. It says, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll direct you. Noah could have never built an ark because he, what God asked him to do had not been built before. 
And God asked Noah, build an ark, which has never been done, for a flood, which had never happened. I believe that God's leading you to build something that you've never built before for something that has never been before. Therefore, you cannot lean on your own understanding. And you feel the pull, and you will feel the pull to go back to what this mind knows, what you've experienced, what you've seen. And the Lord says, don't lean. Come on, acknowledge me. And you know this. Acknowledging is not saying we acknowledge. It is come and know me intimately and what I'm trying to say through those things. So may as clear as Noah heard the instructions for the ark, may you clearly hear his directions so accurately. And may you have the courage to do exactly what he says, even if there's ridicule, persecution, if people don't believe the end of the day, at the end of your life, you will face one person, Jesus himself. And may those eyes be the reason you continue to walk in boldness because on that day, he will look at you and go, whoa, wow, you did what I asked. You led with courage. So, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for specific clear and direct instructions for the ark <laughs> that you're instructing them to build. I thank you. Thank you. Strengthen them. Surround them with men and women who will say, let us do all that is in your heart. Thank you, Lord. We know you desire to do new things. Help us not to rely on our own understanding of what we've experienced. But today, not only as leaders, but as a church, we lay down any pride, any sense of, I got it. I know how to do this, or even I've done this before. Lord, the, you, these are the greatest days for the church. There has never been a greater opportunity for harvest. So we humble ourselves. Right where you're seated, just say, Lord, I humble myself. We humble ourselves, Lord, as your people. We refuse to lean on our natural ways of thinking. But we come before you and we say, Lord Jesus, head of the church, do your work. Show us the pattern. There's a pattern in heaven. Show us that pattern and we will build accordingly to the pattern. Oh, Lord, and I thank you that as we build what you've already built, that it will be the exact ark, it will be exactly what is needed at the appointed time. Thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for it, Lord. Just out of your mouth, say, Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you. Out of your mouth, say, Jesus, you're my shepherd. 
I look to you. I trust you. I follow you. I'm dependent on you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. You're a good shepherd. And you're my shepherd. You are my shepherd. I shall not lack. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack. Come on, say it. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit our website at presenceoc.org to find out more about Presence Church.